0: We all know that selling on a marketplace is a great opportunity, and there's a lot of ways to sell on marketplaces, whether it's through merch and POD or actually creating your own brands. But the topic of reselling has actually been one of those that we hear a lot about lately. People are debating, is reselling still a viable business or is reselling completely dead and we need to create our own brands? Today, we're getting into that topic in this episode with Dan Metters from The Wholesale Formula. It's going to be a great episode. Stay to the end. and Here we go. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and at every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the a.m. and the p.m. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the a.m. p.m. podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the AM PM podcast, where today we are talking as usual about e-commerce. When I got started selling on Amazon, it was actually kind of by accident. I didn't know you could sell on Amazon, and I had these great wholesale lists and prices that I had, and I actually put a Craigslist ad out and said, I need someone to teach me how to sell on eBay. And this old bald guy showed up to my office and said, let me see those price lists. And he looked and he said, you don't need to sell on eBay, you need to sell on Amazon said, I didn't know you could sell on Amazon. And that started the whole thing. Within a few months, we'd sold a few million dollars worth of products, and we uh, were already launching private label products, and things got crazy. And as I've kind of matured in this space and seen a lot of different business models and different entrepreneurs, this whole concept of reselling continuously surfaces reselling could be in the form of arbitrage, like your online or retail arbitrage, most of you are familiar with. And I think most people would agree that if you're going to resell, you need to move under the kind of wholesale model. But there's a lot of questions that I personally myself have about the wholesale model and whether it's still viable on marketplaces like Amazon or Walmart. And today we have, I guess, one of the experts, Dan Metters from the Wholesale Formula, who's here to answer all of my questions and kind of let you guys listen in. So welcome to the podcast, Dan. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me on, brother. Now, I don't know if you remember the first time we met. You probably don't because back then you were really cool and popular and I was just getting started in the space. But I met you at the Rocky Mountain Reseller Conference in Denver, Colorado, which was pretty cool. I remember when those conferences started, uh, legalized marijuana had just started in colorado so it, it attracted quite an interesting crowd to those conferences there in denver but um i remember also thinking to myself holy cow it's another southerner because there's not many of us hillbilly redneck types running around this e-commerce space right no you don't hear the you don't hear the country uh twang very often man it's it's wild i've even been accused of being a poser because i don't have much of the twang and it's i guess i talked to so many people that don't have it it kind of disappears but For those of you that are used to listening, the more I talk to Dan, the more it's going to come out. It's inevitable. We'll we'll see if we can pull some of your inner hillbilly out. (laughs) It doesn't take much, I promise. Um, So, Dan, you're from a little town in Kentucky that actually has more cows than people. Is that right?
1: If if it doesn't, it's really close. I mean, it's a a race between to see who, who can get the mo- more people in. It's cows or people at this point.
0: <laughs> and it probably depends on when market day and auction day is. and all that. Exactly. exactly. It depends on the, the comings and goings of the
1: cows, I think.
0: So living in this little, I guess, you know, hillbilly Kentucky town, how on earth did you get started in this whole world of e-commerce?
1: Well, it was, it was kind of crazy. I worked at an internet retail company that sold uh, Magic the Gathering, uh, Pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh cards off their own website. And that company had grown tremendously. Like it was crazy. The the growth we experienced there. And one day the CFO of that company came in and and he said he was he had given his notice. And like, honestly, it blew my mind. It it literally blew my mind because we live in a really small area, man. And there's not like a ton of awesome jobs around, like, you know, and relatively speaking, working at a gaming company is, is, you know, making six, six figures plus is a pretty dang awesome job. Like, so it was. It was like I was just like, "What? Like, what are you doing?" And he was like, "Dude, I, I honestly just make more money sitting at home selling stuff on Amazon uh, than I do coming to work." He was like, in, "In less than half the time." And I, this was like literally the first time I heard about a human selling on Amazon. Like, I knew a new Amazon existed. I knew you could go buy books there and
0: stuff. But like, now what year was this? Those,
1: this was in two thousand, late two thousand, or early two thousand eleven.
0: Oh, this was early then.
1: Yeah. And um, so like I, you know, I was like, whoa, like you sell, what do you mean? Like you sell stuff on Amazon. And he was like, yeah, man, it's kind of like selling on eBay, except they ship your stuff for you. And I remember when I was in college, Tim, like I had a pretty awesome eBay store. I had a, uh, I sold video games, uh, vintage video games specifically. Like my, I I got to dork out all the time because, you know, I tested, like I would test, uh, test them religiously. (laughs) but uh the thing I hated about it was shipping all the orders man like it just takes so long to like sit there and pack and ship individual orders and it's kind of like what drove me away like I made good money in college but I I just did not want to do it again like I didn't feel like kind of like being being a customer service rep and 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 doing that all again like I had so he, he was like, you know, you can send it in and, and Amazon takes care of like the majority of the customer service stuff. And then, you know, they, they do all the packing and shipping. I was like, wow, man, that is so cool. And he like took me out to a Walmart and showed me kind of what he was doing and literally got started that day. And I, I got started. My very first product was Disney cars. And I bought, there was this one guy, I remember scanning him in the store and he was like $3 on the shelf and He was $15 on, on Amazon. And I was like, there's no way, but I like, it was three bucks, man. Like I bought all of them. They, you know, bought all like 24 of them they had or something and was like, all right, we'll see if this Amazon thing pans out. And, and literally when I got the email that they were receiving the shipment, it started selling, like things started selling. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So like if from then on, like if I had a free hour, I was like in a store scanning or reading about Amazon or, or something, something about that. And, and then, uh, so, you know, about six months goes by, like we started in July, I guess, maybe ju- I guess around July, June, July, something like that. And, uh, in December we were, we had had, we were having a $50,000 month and I lost my job. Like I got fired. And, uh, so it was, I, I remember like I, I told my wife, like, cause I didn't want her to freak out. Like I didn't want her to be terrified. <laughs> And I was like, because uh, I, you know, I had a pretty dang good job, and I was like, hey, you know, I, I decided to quit my job today. Got some good news and some bad news. <laughs> and she was like, no, don't do that. Like, don't, no, don't quit your job. And I was like, no, it's already happened. We're that ship sailed. We're we're already in it. <laughs> and uh, so for years, I didn't actually tell her I'd gotten fired. But we, it, it, you know, it worked, man. Like it was one of those things. Like uh, I worked my I worked my face off, uh, just getting out and getting in stores and, and like shopping and stuff. And I made, I made good money. Like our margins were great, but the problem is, is, you know, anytime you, any, anytime you, you hear about this model, it's like, gosh, it sounds like a lot of work and, and it is, yeah it is.
0: A yeah, you're just trading work. hours because the sales stop yeah. unless you're scanning stuff in a store.
1: Yeah. But, but for us, like it was, it was, it was like interesting because it was, it was trading hours, but we were kind of using it to build our bankroll. I didn't really have a, a, a bankroll to start. So, you know, it was, it was a good way for us to build our bankroll and, and kind of like slow, slowly learn about Amazon and stuff like that. Like we were learning definitely more uh, about Amazon, but it was like in, uh, in 2014, it was like, I mean, we were pretty exhausted, man. Like seriously, we were doing over a million dollars in sales going into to Walmarts and targets. And uh, like, there's not, the closest target to me is an hour and a half away. Mm-hmm. So like to do that, to do a million dollars in sales where you're having to literally drive forever to even start shopping is, is is a lot. Like, I mean, we were probably working 60, 70 hour weeks, wow, particularly during quarter four. And that, that motivated us to, to start looking for other models. Like, you know, we, we looked at private label. We launched a couple of private label brands. Um, Failed pretty. We had one product that did really well, but we felt pretty good there. Um, initially and then uh, got kind of like found our way into wholesale and and that's it it struggled a little bit but but found our footing a lot faster.
0: So we'll come back and hit some of the details but moving on in the story you got into the wholesale model you started succeeding you eventually started coaching you joined up with a business partner and created the wholesale formula which has been around a long time, which is not just a course, but it's actually like a training community, right? Teaching people how to do this. Yeah, it's it's it's
1: one of those things that kind of developed. I mean, I, I remember the first time that we got the idea to launch the wholesale formula. It was like I, I, I didn't even. It, it was kind of funny. One of my buddies, he, he's it, we we grew up playing uh, Magic the Gathering cards together, and he was over at my warehouse, and we were playing, and he was like, "Hey, man, like." He was—he had been a teacher until the year before, and then he had, he had started making a, a football playbook that he sold. Like he was a coach too, and had had pretty dang good success with it. Like he had he'd made more than he'd made from his teaching job. I mean, he was like, "You should make like you should make a course on this." And I was like, "Ah, man, like I don't think anybody really wants to know how to do this." Like, and he was like, "No, way more than you would you would you would think." And uh, so we decided, like we we put together something, and it was real you know, it was real, just kind of put together. Like it had great information, but like the organization of it and stuff, we didn't have any idea what we were doing at the time. And uh, our expectation was we, we decided if anybody bought it, we were going to open a bottle of champagne. And if five people bought that, we were going to open a better bottle of champagne. <laughs> and uh, it, I think it was like 140 people uh, ended up buying the first time we opened the, opened it. And it was, it was just an amazing, it's kind of like an amazing experience. It, it was awesome because like, you know, number one, we, at the time we, um, we got to learn, like we got to learn a lot. Like you know, that, whenever you're teaching people and, and and working with people, like it makes you learn so much more. And yep. it like forced me to learn in a lot of areas that I hadn't, yep. you know, I I'd kind of like avoided or, or set off and in, in part of it, like, certain parts of the business. So it was really awesome. And like our business grew exponentially, um, just an incredible amount of success in that first class of people, like just an incredible amount of success. Um, and then over time, like it's just, you know, that was in, that was in 2015 uh, over time. I mean, it's, it, we've, we've launched kind of like the, the same course, like we've evolved it. Like the, the course that we had in 2015, the course aspect of it, I guess that we had in 2015 was, you know, is is very far very different than than what yeah it's it's been evolving right like the the whole the whole how you sell on amazon has evolved like how you sell on amazon has changed and you know that's one of the things that we've been really proud of is we've updated along the way and added a lot of core components like coaching and uh, community support and those things to, to really help get results for people
0: and all of that is why i really wanted you on today because You've been doing it for a long time, but you've also been adjusting and adapting. You know that marketplaces change. You know that competition changes. You know that Amazon has changed. And I hear a lot of people now saying that reselling is dead, right? Whether it's IP complaints or lack of, um, you know, supply chain or too much competition driving prices down where there's no profit margin to all these different reasons. How would you respond to just that general statement of, is reselling on Amazon dead, knowing that you've been adjusting to continue to be to be relevant in that space,
1: no, no, I think it's uh, you know uh, like the the statement dead is kind of preposterous. Like it's changed; it's significantly changed. I mean, you know, when we started in twenty fifteen, seriously, like it was like the wild west. I mean, you could get any product; you could list it without repercussions. Like there were lots of fakes, and like it was just wild. I mean, there were there was a lot going on. Uh, Amazon has significantly tightened the reins; like they've significantly tightened the reins and and and, and created a lot more you know, uh, rules, like rules for for how products is to be sold and, and things like that. They've given brands a lot more control uh, for being able to remove people, sometimes unnecessarily and sometimes necessarily, right? But I, I do think it's significantly changed. Um, and, it, you know, it, it may be a certain aspect of it might eventually be dead. Like I think retail arbitrage and, and the online arbitrage, I don't think it is right now. Like I know, I know plenty of folks out there doing really good with it, but I think it's gotten a lot harder. Like it's, you know, with IP complaints and you're, you're always unauthorized. And that was kind of, that was kind of like what really got us to like push in aggressively is to to wholesale. it. whenever we got started was kind of like the, the first year of that stuff was the, the Elsa thing, right? Like the, the frozen, the frozen restrictions and all the I and all the complaints and having your listings taken down and stuff like that. and, I remember when all that started happening, like we had so much inventory that we had acquired through, you know, Walmarts and Targets and we had receipts, but we didn't have any kind of invoices. And I was terrified. Like I was literally terrified then, and it's just gotten worse. But so that that really kind of like, you know, one of the things that we do as uh, our, our, our type of wholesale is much different than, than most types of wholesale.
0: Going into 2022, based on what you know has changed in the industry, you've needed to, adapt to what is wholesale? Let's just start there and define that. What is wholesale?
1: Sure. Sure. There's a, you know, like I said, there's a lot of different types. I mean, there's liquidation, there's like, you know, closeout style or just kind of like more general, just setting up accounts with distributors. And those aren't the things that we do. Like, I do think that those things, there are those types of selling have gotten, uh, handcuffed a lot more than, uh, than, than our version, right? Like, um, because in a, in a lot of cases, let's say I buy a closeout of something, like we, we have some really good friends in, the, in this space that do really well. And uh, they, we were talking about it the other day to him about how it's changed. And it's like, you know, if he buys a, a Nerf closeout, for example, it's like there's a lot of things that can cause him not to be able to sell Nerf specifically. So it's a lot riskier, right? So one of the things that that we do is whenever we we were building our business we focused on building a cash flow oriented model. So it's like I don't like sitting on a lot of product. I like to be cash in, cash out, kind of just, you know, moving inventory. So like our average inventory turn rate was it, you know, is in the 40 days, 40 to 50 days depending on on kind of what season we're in, right? Like so it's like we're always cash in, cash out. And another thing that we do that's that's not really typical is I don't just go set up accounts with distributors like, you know, what we teach and what we do and have had a lot of success with is going directly to brands, establishing a relationship, adding a lot of value. And it's, it's, you know, when I say like adding value, I'm not trying to be vague. It's like a lot of the things that you talk to about, um, your brand builders, right? Like the people that are out there building brands. It's just think about it, you know, on these general listings where nobody's cares, like it just got put up, right? Like it's yeah. not optimized. It doesn't have great images. It doesn't have great copy. It doesn't have all of the things that can make a listing successful. So what we do is we take that element of kind of that private label ideology of, of making great listings and, and, and developing, you know, a, a better Amazon presence in general. And we take that and start working with the brand to do that. Um, now we're very intentional about kind of the way we operate and communicate and stuff. And, overall, like what our strategy is there, is It's kind of a long-term strategy, right? It's like, I, I, I develop the relationship. I start working with you over time. I show you that I can add value. I increase sales and then we go for an exclusive.
0: So this sounds more like you're partnering with brands, not just reselling brands, which I think is a big difference exactly. because when you think about the, the quote unquote private label game, there's a lot to it. You've got to find a product, create a product, develop the product, get the brand and get the packaging, get you know, uh, eventually some off-channel presence and marketing. And then you've got to also figure out the Amazon game. So what you're saying is you find brands that have all the other pieces all ready to go. They have the inventory. They have the products developed. They have all that stuff. They just don't know how to sell it on the market.
1: Right. They have the Amazon listings. I mean, we only start with products that are already listed on Amazon. Yeah. Like,
0: so our path to market
1: is, you know, whenever I look at a product and why I like this, you know, why I think this model is, is it, it, it has elements of complexity, right? Towards the top. Like once you have a brand and you're you're starting to try to grow it and things like that, but like to get there, it's, it's a lot more streamlined than, than, a, you know, like there's a lot less moving parts than a, a private label business. Like literally I have a product that has a defined amount of sales. Like I can look and see that this product's been selling, you know, uh, 300 times a month or, or something. And with, bad listings, like just on sheer brand recognition alone, it's been selling that. So, you know, we start with that product that's selling 300 times. And then my goal is over time, I want to help it sell a thousand times and become the only seller. So it
0: is developing that partnership. So I think for a lot of people that would claim like reselling is dead, you know, wholesale is dead because you can't get access to products anymore. You can't get exclusives. You've got inauthenticity, you know, claims coming in and getting you shut down on the marketplaces from the brand owners. What you're saying is wholesale is still viable as long as you're actually doing it the right way and partnering with the brands instead of trying to slyly get access to their products at a discount. Is that right? Right. I've I never
1: know. had a I've I've, I've never had a, an IP claim. Like intentionally wow. filed against me. I've never had one. And and that's because every single brand that we work with knows that we're a partner of the brand. Like we communicate with them, we help that we've helped them grow their brands.
0: And that was what I was going to ask you is, why do the brands need you? Because I know a lot of the complaints are, you know, why would a large brand or a large manufacturer, established brand actually need little old me? So if I approach them, what do I have to offer? And we've already touch, touched on some of the answer to that, which is, you know they're good at a lot of things; they're not good on Amazon. So if we're a subject matter expert in Amazon, we can own that. So what are the other, some of the other ways that we convince the brand they need to partner with us? I think
1: it's I think it's a matter of perception too. Like you know right, like everybody perceives you know whenever they're 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 calling a brand that they're calling you know somebody like Nike that has thousands and thousands and thousands of employees and things like that. Think about your brands, Tim. Like I'm sure you have brands that do well, right? How yep. many people are included in those companies? How many? Just a small handful. Exactly. Like, you know, one of the brands that we work with, to give you an example, they have, you know, they have three employees in their main thing. And then they use a co-packer to, to package their product. So they have three employees. The product does two two and two and a half million dollars on Amazon. They don't have time. Like those three employees, they're very good at what they do. They understand their, their, their how to work with their co-packers. They understand how to work with their distributors, with their, you know, their their stores and all, what have you but they don't, they they don't have the capacity to learn Amazon, nor do they want to. So for them, it was like, you know, think of that. Like I, we, we started working with that brand. Uh, They were doing about 1.8. Now when we first started working, when they were doing about 1.8, they're on track to do 8 million this year, like to show you the difference that you can have. And that's just over, over a year and a half, two years, like, you know, we've made a lot of changes and learned a lot and implemented a lot of things that have helped their brand grow significantly. But like, with that specific brand, right? Like it's three people, it's three people. So it's not, you know, you don't have to convince some massive consortium of humans to, to work with you. Like you just have to be able to talk to a, a human that, that, you know, in a lot of cases, a lot of these brands that, that are successful on Amazon, you just kind of have to adjust what you're thinking. Right. it's like success to me. Like, I'm, I, I mean, I, I, whenever we started working with that brand, like our margin was about 15%. So, you know, uh, What we are making two hundred and seventy thousand dollars as an exclusive seller, just when they were doing one point eight million dollars. Like it's that's the point is that's a substantial amount of income for just the average person. Like you don't have to work with Nike to make a ton of money. Like you don't have to work with a billion dollar company. You can work with these small three and five people and small family brands that actually need you. That's the difference is Nike doesn't need you. Like like they have no no use for you. But like these brands that that don't have that human capital or that expertise or something like that are are inevitably better working with somebody who is mildly knowledgeable and cares a lot about their product than to work with a, a, just a mass of people. Right. So it's, yeah, that's our model is our model is to find those types of brands, those types of products that they're great products. They just need this
0: much more work and they can be amazing. And those smaller companies are easier to please too right? Because Nike's got massive KPIs and everybody's smart and they've got great, you know what I mean? Like it's easier to really be the hero of a smaller company and then multiple smaller companies. So your profit margins higher, um, you're getting a little extra love. You don't have everybody beating down the door. You're kind of flying under the radar and working with some of these brands that not everybody's attacking. So you said that you actually start off kind of sh- making some changes to the listings and you, know, you kind of show them like, Hey, we know what we're doing now. Can we partner? How long does that usually take? What's usually the timeline between, Hey, we're familiar with this product. Maybe we can get a, you know, the ability to resale it to, Hey, we want to approach them and try to get this exclusive, you know, distribution right on Amazon. Is there a typical time range?
1: It can vary. I mean, a lot of it's kind of just depends on the impact that you have, right? Like if you're, let's say you're working with a brand that, you know, has a lot of issues. They have a lot of issues, and and you're able to kind of come in and make some of make some of those significantly better. See some significant traction. They're going to be a lot more impressed, right? And some of these are are kind of like longer roads to hope. But the point is, it, it, you're you're making money all along the way, right? Like even while I'm just one of four sellers, like I get to make money. And as I start developing that relationship, and maybe I talk them into, hey, those those two those two folks that aren't, aren't really helping you out. What if you what if you didn't sell to them anymore? Like that would help us out. That would give us more sales. It would give us more buy box time. It would give us more advertising time. Things like that. And and, and that starts to move the needle, right? So so usually what we see is kind of a progression of of, of the brand. They start working with us. We start communicating about the things we're going to change. We show them what we changed. We show them how we did it. We tell them about expected results. We come back later with results and show them and go over it and talk about other changes and things we can do. And and it's all just that's all just moving the moving the ball down the field. Right. It's just like first down, first down, first down and. You know, uh, then eventually when we see for us, what we're really looking for is we're, we're looking for a marker. Right. It's just like, oh, their sales went up or, oh, they uh, they they started, you know, they they started selling more units or or so just anything. It's just something related to that. Right. Like something started selling more with advertising, like our advertising got got really good traction or just anything that we can kind of like grab onto and talk about and, and, and start to move that ball down the field further.
0: Do you think that brands are starting to become a little bit more, I won't say arrogant, but confident they can do it themselves? And I'll give you some examples is now even these smaller brands are being reached out to directly by Amazon. Oh, we can launch you. We can get you listed. We can be an account manager. Now, you and I both know that those folks that are reaching out to these brands don't have a clue what they're doing. And it's going to be a disaster. But the point is the brands are still starting to think they can do it themselves. Have you run into that or do you still think that there's enough people out there that just need some help? Well, it's always like, I think that's always the case, right? Like there's always objections. The objections change. I mean,
1: um, you know, there's, there's always been objections. So it's, I I, I don't think that it's, you know, I, I don't think it, that that that's the case. Like, I think there's, I think there's lots of people out there that, that are willing to work with you just like there always has been. And then there's, you know, our specialty, to be honest with you, is is the people that say no. I don't even like the people who say yes. Like, the people who say yes whenever we contact them are, are the ones that tend to have those races to the bottom. They, like, they, they're not, I'm not special. They're not just saying yes to me. They're saying yes to me and Tim and Tom and Will and Betty and, you know what I mean? They're saying yes to everybody. So, like, my specialty and all of our best brands are the ones that came back to me initially with no, and then what do we do? Like, we overcome objections with logic. Like, it's not fancy sales tactics. It's, I can I, I, I have a, a, a specific way that I can walk a brand through and show them how we can help. And some say yes, and and the vast majority say no. But the point is, I don't need all of them to say yes. Just like, you know, you don't, just like as a private label seller, you don't need every single product you ever look at to be good enough to add to your line. It's, you know, the fact of the matter is 95% aren't. But when you find a winner, like it, it plugs in well. Right. And it's the same concept is like the vast majority of people I can't convince that already told me no. But the ones I do have substantial revenue potential, like the, the example that I, I mentioned earlier. And, you know, then like when and, and whenever you have that, whenever you, you have that kind of that shift where you, you talk, you, you work with them, you start getting them results. I mean, our our renewal rate, our renewal rate with our clients last year in exclusives was a hundred percent, literally a hundred percent, and it's because we have great relationships with all of our brands. We have we got results. We we help them grow, right?
0: Now, as you help them grow, though, competitors are going to start seeing those brands pop up more and more. And I mean, competitors to you, the better you do, do you have more and more people approaching those brands and offering work with them directly too? Okay. And do you lose clients that way or?
1: We, well, I mean, we didn't lose any this year, but, but it's certainly possible, right? But that's the point. And, and, you know, that's just like any other business. Just like if, you know, as a, as a private label seller, if you don't uh, keep, if you don't stay on top of your listings, if you're not constantly like testing and looking and optimizing, what happens? You, you start to fall behind, right? And it's the same, same concept is, you know, in wholesale, what this does is it, it just like your, your your brands force you to, to, to do work, we have to do work to get results and, and, we get results, and that keeps us uh, keep, keep, keeps us relatively speaking uh, in a good in a good setting with our with our clients.
0: Now, what about Amazon itself? Uh, there's two things that I hear happens in the wholesale space that I'd be curious to get your take on. The first one is even the brands start to determine what's the point. Why do we want to sell on Amazon, right? And there's some different reasons that maybe the perception is they shouldn't want to be selling on Amazon. For example, if they're selling into a lot of brick and mortar stores those brick and mortar store guys claim or, or gripe, hey, why should I buy products that's on my shelf pick on Amazon? So how often do you run into that? And the second thing is how much do you have to compete against vendor central, which is Amazon's first party selling system where Amazon essentially buys straight from the brand and sells it. And I know of some wholesalers where Amazon said, hey, we want to buy from you directly. And they cut out the the wholesale partner.
1: Sure. Uh, Well, we don't, we don't actually compete on any listings with vendor central. Like that's one of our, one of our things. We don't look for products that are sold by Amazon. And when we establish relationships with brands, like we're very, You make sure to
0: stay away from that.
1: Yeah. We, 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 we don't, we don't do that. Um, And you know, you hear all these horror stories about Amazon coming onto your listing magically. It's literally happened zero times to us in the past, I guess, Golly, it's crazy. It's like five and a half years now.
0: Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It doesn't
1: happen. It just
0: doesn't yeah. happen. So, vendor central is not an issue. What about? But what about this other one? What about brands that think sure. we don't even want our products listed on Amazon? That's, you ever run into? To that? me, that's
1: one of those objections. It's that's that's an objection. Like I've heard that, and and like part of me is part of me just explain like whenever whenever they say that, I, I, it's it's easy, right? Like it's it's a simple explanation of your products are going to be sold on Amazon whether you want them to or not.
0: Like the, the reality is, They're going to be there. you, you yeah.
1: can either control the supply chain, you can either control a, and the listing and presence, or you can just let it fall where the chips may. And in a lot of cases, that's what brands do, right? And they, yeah. they choose to ignore it. But the problem is, so I love when I get that objection, because it's so easy to crush. It's so easy to crush. And it's it, you know, part of it is, who do you think is going to deliver a better customer experience? You or, you know, some random person you don't know? And it's like, oh, me, of course. And it's like, all right, would you want to work with us to, to, to help us develop that customer experience? And that's part of what we do is overcoming those types of objections. So, yes, that's an objection. I have heard it. I love that objection because it's one of the easiest to overcome.
0: So tell me if I've got this right. You do not think that reselling or wholesale specifically on Amazon is dead, right?
1: I think it's more, I think it's more. I think the the use of the wholesale that we do, what we teach and what we actually do, the necessity for it is bigger than ever. I think in a lot of cases, the people that were just kind of like buying items and selling items on Amazon without developing relationships or or things like that. I think relationships are are, are going to be a huge factor going forward.
0: Yeah. Typical wholesale is starting to dwindle, but brand partnering. Correct. Which is to wholesale or, or exclusive distributorship. Yeah. Like that stuff is becoming even more valuable, which is like a big change of mentality. Do you think that you should call it something different than wholesale? Because the perception of wholesale, like if you could rebrand this method, what would you call it?
1: I actually don't know. We've talked about this a thousand times. Like really? It's, like, because it is very confusing. It is, And it's not exactly like when you talk about wholesale, like the only aspect of wholesale that we do is acquire the
0: product from we'll a buy the product or, and sell it. Yeah.
1: Like the, the rest of what we do is, is, is like just direct retail almost it's brand direct retail would probably be the most applicable d- description. I would think is where we're a brand's direct retailer.
0: So I'm going to, I'm going to make a, a statement with a few sentences here and you tell me if this is right. So based on what you've told me today, old school arbitrage, old school wholesale is not as effective on Amazon as it used to be, but there's actually an even bigger opportunity now, which is partnering with these brands. If you can prove to these brands that you know what they're doing and they don't have to do it themselves, then you can work on getting exclusive uh, distribution rights on platforms. You can get maybe even specialized pricing, and you get a scenario where a lot of these brands only want to work with you, which gives you less competition. Is Is all of that correct? Yeah, yeah. So it sounds amazing, and it sounds almost too easy. But going into problems, one of my suspicions, right? And you tell this is right. Uh, one of the biggest barriers to entries is actually finding a brand that needs you. Is that one of your kind of secret sauce things? Is how do you find these brands?
1: The the how to find a brand is not that hard. It's the the converting with a brand. Is oh, the, it's the selling good.
0: them, the convincing them. Right.
1: And that, that's that's what our that's what our a lot of our focus is on is on how to have that conversation how to how to show them, and and it's you know it's a lot of it's just opportunity based like you're able to, you know a, a lot of the brands that we try to work with have significant opportunity to them like you just have to be able to explain that opportunity right they don't have enough pictures they don't have the right keywords they don't have the right things in their in their bullet points like. It's all things that you can see. And as long as you can communicate it effectively, you can convince a brand to work with you. And and you know this as well as I do. Like day one, private label sellers can make positive changes to a listing. Like you absolutely can. You just have to know what you're looking for, right? So it's it's just, you know, what what, a lot of what we're able to do is we're able to teach people what to look for and how to explain it to a brand to make it make sense.
0: Yeah. So... What are one of the changes that you're anticipating having to make going forward into 2022 and 2023? Is there something that you're kind of got your eyes on as far as, hey, we're going to have to continue to adapt this way or we're going to have to keep an eye on this or this is something we're fearful of?
1: No, I mean, well, one of the things that we've we've started implementing in our businesses, in our business with exclusivity and things like that, is like uh, with several of our brands, we do what we call brand management. And that's where we physically operate their account and, 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 do it. So it's an effective, you know, it's a, it, effectively it's an exclusive for us, but it's through their account. So we actually don't cover um, any of the uh, inventory costs. Like we're, we're just paid a commission of sales. I, I think that, I think that style uh, may see more prevalence over the, the next couple of years, particularly depending on what direction they take brand registry, right? Like, a lot of how how brain registry gets tied to, to you know a, a product, and then likewise uh, the the features that are available through brain registry can can kind of determine where who should sell a brand's products. But like the point is, is you know every one of those relationships that we're in like that now, uh, we we got there through developing the relationship as a wholesale, as a wholesale seller, right? Like it was developing that natural relationship. And I think that's for most, for, for most everybody, that's going to be the easiest route to sell on Amazon is, is this, is to kind of learn how to set up that relationship. And then, you know, where if they grow and take their business from there, it, it is what it is. But I think like, if you're looking at ways to be successful, like if I were a starting seller, I was thinking about trying to get started selling on Amazon Like, I don't know if I would look at retail arbitrage and online arbitrage at this point. Whereas, you know, in years past, I I would have, I would have definitely suggested looking at that. But like now, I mean, there's so many things with like the IP restrictions. There's just so many complications you can have that like, I I would tell someone to start, you know, if like you don't have great marketing capabilities and you're not like great at, you know, you're not, not great at like advertising and stuff like that. Like start here with products that that already make sense, develop relationships that, that can kind of cultivate.
0: And this makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, just tons and tons of sense. And I get it. I do think it's interesting that your kind of crystal ball viewing going into wholesale is very similar to what we're seeing on like the private label side, which is that the hacky, manipulative, get fast or get rich quick, you know, and fast kind of methodology is disappearing, regardless of whether you're reselling, managing brands, or creating your own brands. It's all coming down to tried and true business practices and sales practices, create something that people want, sell it really well, whether it's your brand or whether you're partnering with a brand, because the days of, you know, using manipulative systems to try to get a quick buck are starting to disappear. And I love it. I actually think that it's a, a kind of maturing of the marketplaces. I think this also is going to play into other marketplaces, not just Amazon, but Walmart and Mercado Libre and you know, all these other big marketplaces where people are expecting more, people are expecting a brand experience, brand story, better quality. And even the marketplaces themselves are starting to curate their seller base. They're starting to be more selective and more choosy about who they want selling on their marketplace. We're seeing that now with Amazon doing, uh, you know, video interviews to open up an Amazon account or specifically Walmart. They're very, very particular about who they sell. Um, So I don't know. Maybe that's just me rambling or musing, Dan. But I do think that it's interesting that, regardless of whatever the, or regardless of the the selling model, that same thing continues to be true. That people want legitimate sellers and legitimate brands.
1: No, I mean that's that's it. Like you know, for a brand, it's like it's always it's always kind of funny. Like I, whenever you think about it from a brand's perspective, it is way easier for them to work with a third party seller. Like way easier. Because like you, you know, you'd mentioned it right there, like Amazon has been changing a lot, specifically related to, to rules about manipulation and, and stuff like that, right? And so if, if a brand was to hire a, hire a person to, to bring them on, first they have to train them. Then they have to verify the sources of that train, like did they learn black hat tactics? Did they learn all this other stuff that could get them in trouble, right? Like, and, and you, you have to think about competency. Like whenever, whenever you have somebody and you're, you're bringing them on, it's... You know, what is the metric for competency? So if if a brand can work with a third-party seller who is already competent, who already has those skills, they're literally getting, instead of having to pay and take a chance on somebody, they, they literally are able to, to kind of farm that capability out, right? And then there's a, the, like with private label sellers, this is the, like, I think our model actually lines up really well with private label sellers because it's like a lot of the same skills that are cultivated are the same skills that, that we, we literally get paid for, right? Like I get paid to be able to do the things that you're doing. I get paid by brands to do the things that you're doing to your own brand. And it's, uh, you know, it's a, I think there's a, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of, um, potential for, for private label sellers in that area too like, you know, to to start becoming more brand managers and working with brands, because it's fun. It's like, it's fun building your brand, but you definitely have more limited resources than um, than some of the brands that, that exist. And if like you had their capability and resources, like you could take them and grow a lot. And, and I think that demand is 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 significantly growing for people like you, for, for the brands that are out there that can kind of take and grow something.
0: I love that there is adaption, right? And there is you know, continued processes and research and trial and error to figure out how to continue to sell products online to make money. Uh, I I do kind of understand where people make comments like reselling is dead or arbitrage is dead, but I think it's so cool that in our little entrepreneurial world, we continue to find ways to adjust and prove that even though small battles can be lost, the war can be won, or, you know, small specific, Uh, projects or methods or techniques will go in and out of fashion or in and out of, you know, effectiveness. The basic principle is, as we continue to learn how to be e-commerce marketers and digital marketers, there will always be a place for us, whether it's to sell our own brands or to sell somebody else's brand. So I find it highly encouraging and, um, you know, at the risk of sounding cheesy and cliche, it's kind of empowering too.
1: No, I mean, I I think... I think specialization and specialty wins, right? Like like if you, you know, if you, if you take time to build, if you're taking time to build skills, like the skills that actually can, can change your brand or or do something like those skills are applicable, no matter what product you're working on. Like the the truth be told, it's like your skill is monetizable. And um, it's, uh, you know, I think for sellers, like the ones who want to be successful, it is, Continue to hone those skills. Don't be lazy. Don't look for for the fast ways to make money. Like Amazon has proven, like they are going after the the, the short term stuff. They're going after the the more hacky things. And it's if you can continue to build skills that let you, you know, uh, above board, <laughs> be able to, to make a product sell better. Uh, I think it's going to be something that that is is significantly more in demand than it is now. Agreed.
0: So we're running out of time. We need to wrap up, but I imagine you've got a lot more content. If anybody wanted to find out more about what you've got going on or some of the methods that you use or kind of your outlook on the space, I'm guessing they would go over to thewholesaleformula.com. Is that right?
1: That's the best place. That's that's like the best place where you can kind of find all of our stuff. Like we got links to all the social media stuff and we got all the, okay. yeah, thewholesaleformula.com. We got a blog that, that people can check out and
0: get started there and, and learn awesome. a so for those of you that are interested in that, definitely go there. And Dan, we appreciate so much you coming on and sharing this. I know that uh, yourself, just like all of our other guests, are busy. And, you know, we're, um, we're all trying to help each other and all get better at this whole thing and grow this community. And kind of the rising tide raises all ships mentality that we live by. So we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to share that with us. For all of you that are listening, uh, I say it every episode. I'm going to say it again. I ask you to take it seriously. If you found any value in this episode, go leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Make sure to distribute this to any masterminds or groups or any, uh, anybody that you're familiar with that would like to hear this. We sure appreciate that. Love you show us by listening. And Dan, again, we thank you for being on and uh, any final words of wisdom before we cut out of here.
1: No, I would just tell everybody, honestly, you know, just continue to refine your skills, continue to, uh, continue to work hard. Like we to, to me, it's, what I see succeed every time is the people who work the hardest, right? Like they, they get in there, they continue to work and they continue to develop their skills and it pays off every single time.
0: Could not end on better words of wisdom. Thank you, Dan. We love all of you and we'll see you on the next episode.